Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Morgan's Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 in Nicollet and Burnsville. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com, as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. I am the new phone who dis of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron Uncle Rico Groshong, the producer of the show, and to my left is none other than Rob Can't Buy a Championship Hess, who is the jack-of-all-trades for the program. Tonight's first quarter is our review and preview segment. With a handful of games, the Wolves are fighting for a playoff spot, and we will discuss the remaining games. Second quarter is our playoff roundtable discussion quarter. We are joined by Dylan Sage of the Holy Backboard Blazers show, Zach McCash of the Pickaxe show, Preston Ellis of the Bird Calls, and Paul Garcia of SpursCast, where we will break down every team's chances and thoughts about the upcoming playoffs. The Wolves are in a push for the playoffs. Make sure you get all of your news from the number one Minnesota Timberwolves show, The Howl. Quarter one of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. And this is our review and preview segment where we break down the Wolves week that was and take a look to the week ahead. Now, guys, three games that we're going to cover here for the Timber Pups uh, as we record. They are currently playing the Memphis Grizzlies. We will break that down next week. Uh, but a game against the Clippers was first on the schedule at home. This was a good game overall to get back in the win column after a, a tough two-game loss uh, or two-game losing streak, if you will, against the Spurs and Rockets. They get back into the win column against the L.A. Clippers. 
it's one of those things where in past years you would never think of writing the ship with the Clippers, but just where they're at in their development right now. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it is. That's a team that when you see them on the schedule, you're looking for a win. And, and now they've been playing better recently and, and they've got some nice pieces. And I think they've actually outperformed what most people thought they would do. But again, when the Wolves play them, it should be a win, whether you have Jimmy Butler or not. You know, the Clippers traditionally have given us a hard time. I think that's what you're alluding to there at the start, um, Rob. I loved what I saw from the Timberwolves in the second half. You know, as we go into the rest of the week, the games, the theme was a poor third quarter. Um, this, un- luckily for the, the Wolves, was a, a great third quarter, a really... Um, almost playoff-ready energy is what I saw. It, I, I tweeted out this game. I was, I was doing some live tweeting um, from the Howell Twitter account and my personal account, and I had said this is the bar for the energy level that they need to come out, win the games that are available to win, and fight on the the complicated, tough games, and see where you're at at the end. You know, really battle. They got to close out strong. I saw that in the second half. I love the energy from them. Taj looked amazing. Really felt like Carl Anthony Towns wanted this game. I thought he played fantastic. 10 for 19 shooting for Towns in his 40 minutes. I will say this. With the Wolves up so heavy, I would like to see the starters pulled in the bench come in and close out, say, that last couple minutes when it's essentially mathematically improbable for the other team to come back. Can we can we just take a few minutes to speak on how incredibly well Jeff Teague has been playing as of late? Go for it. Let's speak I mean, on it, man. In this game against the Clippers, 20 points, 12 assists, 4 rebounds on 8 of 13 shooting, a plus 22. He just he seems to be a lot more comfortable. What's very interesting is you talked about how well Teague has been playing. I was also going to say how well Belly has been playing. What's wild is the Timberwolves score 123 points against the Clippers. Belly finishes with only two in 22 minutes. Nonetheless, we can, you know, fly past that, and we can recognize that Jamal Crawford pushes in 20. Nice revenge game for him, for sure, against his former team. Oh, he was cooking. I mean, I think he had back to, was it back-to-back threes in the second? Well, I can't remember. Anyways, it's been a couple days. But... Nonetheless, Teague plays well, Towns plays well. Wiggins really, I thought, showed a solid Wiggins game. There's some games, you know, he could finish 9 for 16, and it it almost feels like he wasn't there. This game, it felt like he was there from the start. Some fantastic defensive efforts um, that I saw from Wiggins I would love to see more of. Derrick Rose is another guy that had a decent game. I know, you know, it seems like 90% of Wolves fans don't even want to talk about him, but, and I'm not, we're not going to dive into that topic, but I just want to say, you know, this is one of those games where I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. I I thought... um, Really, it was a solid game, and let's get into the next one, Kevin. Yeah, so Wolves take that game uh, against the L.A. Clippers, the final score in that one, 123-109. They get a couple days off to travel to Madison Square Garden to take on the uh, Kristaps Porzingis-less New York Knicks, and albeit a game that was closer than it should have been, the Wolves still come away with a very much needed victory here. 
Yeah, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, I mean, you want to play better against a team that's as poor as the Knicks. Uh, but I thought the Knicks played pretty well. Uh, you do get a win. It's it's always tough to win on the road. And as we all know, this season specifically, the Wolves have really struggled on the road against Eastern Conference opponents yep. for whatever reason. Also, uh, well, and and markedly the lower tier Eastern Conference teams, yeah. i.e., the the Hawks, the Nets, the Knicks. I mean, you look at our record against Western Conference teams, and it's outstanding. And then you look at our record against Eastern Conference teams, and you definitely vomit a little bit in your mouth. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, speaking of vomit in your mouth, the third quarter was brutal to watch. The Wolves had amassed, uh, I think it was 15, actually 16 points in the second quarter they were up by, end up surrendering the lead by, you know, five minutes into the the third. It was not looking good. I was very concerned. I was, you know, it just that type of energy. I've seen that movie before, and it did not end well. However, the Wolves right the ship. Really, it boils down to a couple players on the Wolves that made big impacts. Belly was huge, three for five from downtown. I told you he'd been playing well. Logs nearly 38 minutes on the night. Next up, Taj Gibson, Mr. Do-It-All himself. Taj finishes with 18 and seven boards. And Towns and Wiggins really kind of... Isn't Wiggins... Wiggins is kind of your MVP, I feel like, in this game, or mine. 11 rebounds and two dimes. It, it really begs the question, and I will say this. It's crazy. That game, it looked like he was literally trying to get rebounds. Other games... It is an effort thing, isn't it, though? Like, you can get rebounds if you want. It's like he has to be consciously aware of it or asked to do it. I don't know. I would love to hear some behind-the-scenes, you know, like, what are they coaching him to do? Because I do know he is that wing transition guy. He's trying to get out on the wing and trying to get the ball to him in some space on the wing so he can make a move to the basket. Okay, so he's going to be leaking out. He's probably not falling into the paint for rebounds. However, it would be nice to get more than like one or but two. But doesn't it feel like a scheme thing when it comes to Wiggins? Like it does. When I watch. I, I, I don't find myself saying, I wish Wiggins did this or wish that Wiggins did that because I feel like he's not in position necessarily to do that because I don't think that's what they want. I mean, if you're Tom Thibodeau, if every single game you're getting you know one or two assists, one or two rebounds from Wiggins, if it was a huge issue, wouldn't you talk to him about it and wouldn't you like maybe expect to see some change? Yeah, I, I agree, Rob. So I don't know. Maybe it's a combination. I don't know. The guy that almost ruined the night for the Timberwolves, Tim Hardaway Jr., goes off. 39 points on the night. Hit some amazing shots. He hit Jamal Crawford, actually, with his own medicine. Uh, there was a, a sequence on the in the corner wing area where he does the crossover behind the back, step back. Just well, How impressive it was that? Yes. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And it, it was an exact replica of one of Crawford's setup moves. I get it. A lot of people use the the, you know, crossover behind the back to set up shots, but it was just beautiful. It looked great. Um Hardaway Jr. really tried to ruin the Wolves night. It Trey wasn't Burke enough. Is another guy that just Found a way to get stuff done. Yeah, yeah 15 and 9. Yeah, our New York Knicks show on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, they will attest. Trey Burke is playing, I think, for his career right now. I think he has yep. an opportunity, which, if you were ever going to seize the moment, isn't Madison Square Garden sort of the place you would want to do isn't that? It, isn't it funny, too? You mentioned Trey Burke fighting for his career. I think two other guys that currently are probably fighting for their careers a bit are Shabazz Muhammad and Gorgie Jang, the guys that were part of that 
trade. And I just say that because, you know, you've got Justin Patton, who's been looking amazing in the, in the G League, and Jang has really been struggling as of late. And obviously everyone knows about the Shabazz Muhammad stuff. I, you know, it's just those are guys that are really fighting to at least prolong their careers. Well, they're sort of at that age in the career where if they haven't established who they're going to be, it's sort of like when does the rubber meet the road? And that yep. time is right now. Well, we, we have a sense of who Gorgie is as a player, but he just hasn't really shown the leaps and bounds and the progress that we want to see from a player in, in his, you know, where, with where he's at in his career. I mean, we knew early on that Gorgie could hit the mid range uh, with ease and was okay on defense, but there hasn't really been a growth of the game that we wanted to see from him. Maybe, and I think that's maybe, maybe now, why he's on the line. Maybe currently he's not Gorgie Jang. Maybe he's the, the name that most people away call him, like Gorgie Jang, Gorgie Dang. Like maybe that's what we're seeing right now as he does not play well gorgie in my mind he falls into the category of players that almost will never reach the expectation that's set upon them simply based on the salary that they're paid a player of his salary you're expecting much more in the way the roster's set up right now he doesn't really have opportunity to spread his wings and play a ton of minutes side by he doesn't side play by side he next really to cat like he did last year so it's very difficult I think Gorgie's exactly who I thought he was going to be. I thought he'd have a little bit more impact on the defensive and primarily blocking shots or contesting shots. But at the same time, I think he's sort of the player we all anticipated he would be. The only issue I see is it's just a lot of money for that type of uh, really which, what value you get um, on offensive and defensive and the intangibles he brings. So... One thing I'll say it too is, uh, uh, and this is from our, you know, the, our guest we're going to have on next week, uh, uh, Darren Doogie Wolfson, but he's been adamant that the Wolves have been trying to trade Gorgie Jang. Uh, they're willing to trade him, and it's a, it's a contract, as you said, that is just not very movable. And I think part of the reason it's not movable is that he's completely regressed. Uh, he does not look like the same person. Now, I get he's not getting the same minutes. But uh, a good example of that would be Shabazz. Uh, Shabazz, his minutes got cut, and all of a sudden, it, you know, he struggled with production. Gorgie Jang is still getting consistent minutes, albeit not a lot of them, and he's just not able to do much in those minutes. He's not proving himself. Because if you think about it this way, if you're Tom Thibodeau, you put Gorgie Jang in there, if he's playing well, he'll get more minutes. Gorgie Jang is not making much of an impact in the minutes he gets, and so those minutes are just kind of stuck there, and I get why they're trying to trade him. Well, Rob, this goes back to what I said in reference to when this conversation started started with Trey Burke is that if you haven't established who you're going to be after what are the five years in the league now yeah, around there yeah then what are you doing because if I were to say what is Gorgie is he defensive is he offensive I mean you're not relying he's on he's offensive right now you know it's what's his what's his niche or niche yeah it, 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 it's doesn't have one as far that, as I'm concerned. You know, that's the big difference when you, you know, you mention uh, Shabazz. He has a niche. If he gets the minutes, you're burning, you're putting him in there to score. He's going to get you baskets. He just is. Gorgie comes in. Uh, is he a defender? Sometimes. Is he a scorer? I mean, sometimes. Yeah. But, but you can't say, like, this is what he does consistently because right now there's just no consistency. What I will say, what I see from Gorgie is, if I were to categorize him as something, he's just a solid basketball player in the sense of if you were to put him in a rotation, likely a second team, you can usually guarantee he's not going to be the one 
responsible for whatever screw up or mess up is about to happen. There's very seldom I get this what the hell are you doing kind of moment from Gorky. It's always quality basketball. It's just not at a level that gives him sort of a specialized nature. Like you said, it's not defensive. It's not offensive. I don't see him being a shooting is a big thing, right? Like his mid range game is solid, but well, but even that, but that's really struggled. Like when he gets a wide open shot recently, like, you know, from the mid range, I used to think it was always going in and now it's a question, but you know, that's the trouble. If you're slumping and that's your one thing you have going for you, if that's not working, then your confidence has got to be just shattered. And I think that's what we're seeing. Maybe a little, maybe, maybe all the trade rumor stuff, you know, maybe the fact that he's not playing the way he wants to play. Maybe he's struggling with some confidence issues right now. Who knows? Let's, let's, let's move on. Cause we just, we just spent uh, a few minutes talking about a good wolves win. And now the inverse, a horrid Wolves loss as they take on the Philadelphia 76ers in a game that, uh, Rob, you said it best when uh, we were on our way over to Aaron's. It's like the Wolves never got off the bus. It was tough. You know, you, I, I guess I don't know what to say, guys. I mean, we could dive into the box score and try to find an answer. We can use the eye test and say what we saw on TV. But you can't have a no-show game this time of the season. And I would say, most importantly, a no-show game against a team like the 76ers who is trying to one-up you. And I say that in the framework of they're the wolves of the East, right? They had the pieces. You know, what what player would you want to start an NBA franchise? How many how many of those started with Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, or Ben Simmons, or you know, interchangeable? The Towns Embiid matchup that's a that's a real thing right now. I love Embiid going after Towns after the fact because that's that's got to bring fire out. Of Cat, I want to see him respond to that in a positive manner. I think he's growing as a player, but Towns has to take that those moments and create that edge, that special edge that you can live at. The you know, it's just enough to get you where you got to be going, but not enough to get you a technical fall or play play kind of sloppy or uh, out of your head a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, there was a there was a stretch in the season where Cat just kind of buckled down. He got his points. It seems to me, at least a lot more now, that he seems to be begging for calls. And and kind of like throwing his hands up, getting frustrated when he doesn't get his calls. And it's like, I, he just needs to buckle down. He, there's going to be contact. I don't know why. Well, I mean, to be fair, he gets... Like, I, under, I understand. Like, it's not, a, it's not a matter of call versus no call, but it's just... I just I have an issue with the fact that he keeps complaining. But if you have an issue with him complaining, then you have an issue with probably ninety nine percent of the superstars in the league. Name a superstar, and if you can tell me they don't complain all the time, then no, I'm not, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just what? I'm just saying that I I think a in general people need to complain less about calls or no calls. It's it's in the moment, obviously, but like Cat, I think needs to put 
just he needs to buckle down and just so, needs to. So you want it from all superstars, not just Cat. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Focusing on the focusing on the Timber Pups specifically, it's Cat because uh, yeah. Cat complains the most out of anybody so, on the team. The, the, here's the problem I have with it, though, is not that he complains. Although I think all players, like you said, could could complain a little less. My issue with it is he's the one guy that complains. He's the one guy that doesn't get calls. Like watch any other of the because. Carl Anthony Towns is a top 10 to top 20 player, and he does not get calls. He gets kind of treated like Shaq. I don't know if it's because they're like, well, he's big, so he just has to deal with it, but he does not get calls. I've never watched a Wolves game and been like, oh, nice, Carl Towns is getting calls finally. Even the game we're watching right now against the Memphis Grizzlies, you're sitting here going, man, Cat can't buy a call. That <laughs> is ridiculous to me. But when, his, but when his complaining about a call or lack thereof impedes his ability to get down on the defensive side... That's that's where I have an issue with. I don't know that that's consistently an issue. The, the only player in recent memory I can think of where that was like legitimately a really bad issue. Remember, remember Kevin Love? Yes. Kevin Love legitimately would stop playing and would just start <laughs> complaining. And it's like that's uh, that's where it's an issue for me. It, you know, for the most part, Towns at least is still getting back. That, that makes sense. Okay. So, anywho, Wolves lose a really bad game. It was ugly, yeah. 108-120. Uh, nothing more to say there. Let's move on. The Wolves currently playing the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we'll break that game down. I'm not even going to preview it because it's currently going on. I mean, I'd like to hope that the that the Wolves can win that game. Though. Yeah, that's one that's, of those games where you have if you to don't win. Win it. Uh, I think you got to think about blowing everything up. Yeah, you, you have to win. A <laughs> uh, couple more games here to cover. Uh, Wednesday, the 28th, 7 p.m. Central against the Atlanta Hawks. That's another game that you 100% have to win. The worst team in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Easy. You need to win. Friday in Dallas against the Mavericks. Just another game. Honestly, you have to win. Like the Wolves need to go three and zero in this stretch here against the Grizzlies, the Hawks, and the Mavericks. And then it gets it gets a little bit tougher coming down the stretch here. Uh, at least for a little bit. Sunday or uh, Sunday against the Utah Jazz at home. Uh, the Ricky Rubio return game again. Uh, Easter Sunday against a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. You got to win this one too. I mean, every game is a game you have to win. Right, but there's certain games that like you have to have to win. Like, like there's no excuse to lose them. Yeah, uh, that three game stretch with the Grizzlies, the Hawks, and the Mavericks. Yep. You need to go three and zero. No question. Be a win. The Jazz game, while it, it'll be tougher because that's a that's a tough opponent, and you know the Ricky Rubio, you know revenge is real. At the same time, though, I I'm going to throw that in the same regard as those other three games. You have it's at home. You. If you want to make the playoffs, if you want to make an impact, you have to win that game. No question. I agree, Rob. And if we remember, the last time the Jazz were at the Target Center was our home opener, and it took a Jamal Crawford corner three to win that game. It was a great game, a defensive game. These next couple, let's call them easier games for lack of a better word, are what the Wolves need to use in a, in time in, on the court as preparation for this jazz game. They need to show up to this jazz game fully prepared. They're going to have one day off traveling from Dallas back to Minneapolis and they need to come out swinging. This very likely guys could be a preview of a playoff matchup. It is very likely that either one of these teams is, is the home court advantage has home court advantage against the other in the playoffs. Is it the Wolves? Is it the Jazz? I don't know. Maybe one finishes the four, one finishes the five. It could happen. 
So the Wolves need to do what they can do because after that, yeah, Kevin's right. I mean, there's some there's some quality games here coming up against the Nuggets yeah. that are going to be must wins. And then you get you get a little bit of a break with the the Lakers and the Grizzlies, but then you finish with the Nuggets again. Like, I mean, the Wolves in this stretch, counting this game, three, six, eight games, need to go seven and one. That'd be nice. Like that's realistically, I think that's what it's honestly going to take. I wonder if that would, that, that's good enough to get us the four spot because that's where I'd love to have us be. We need home court advantage. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do. All right, uh, should we uh, should we get into the second quarter, Rob? Do we have our, our guests waiting, or should we uh, run over some talkers here real quick? Yes, talkers, talkers? definitely, definitely. What do you got for me, Rob? Yeah, let's go over some. Uh, we got some good talkers this week. Uh, something we haven't done in a few weeks, but uh, I definitely sought it out this week was our uh, Howl Hot Take. Oh, we hit him with the hot take. Hit him with the hot take. So we've got some good ones uh, this week. So this is one I've seen from a large amount of people, but uh, this is at Joshua FBL. Lots of tweets on Spida Mitchell's 36 field goal attempts last night. Just want to point out his effective field goal percentage in his rookie year is 504. The highest mark of Kobe Bryant's illustrious career was 504. What about Allen Iverson? 488. He's going to be great. First of all, you don't take a, a random stat like effective field goal percentage especially in a guy's rookie year, and then say, well, I guess he's the next Kobe or Allen Iverson. Like, I think he's really good. But let's hold the phone a little bit here. Like, are we really going to do that? The guy's a rookie. Like, I, I I agree with you. I love Spider Mitchell. I love Donovan's game. Uh, I think he's on. he's been the surprise of the NBA season, and I think uh, he should win Rookie of the Year. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, trying to compare him to Kobe and Allen Iverson, and he's in his first league or first uh, first year of of, of the NBA. Not in the same conversation. Like, yeah, let's just move on. Not, his not his realistic. tweet would have been perfect if he just would have stopped it at Kobe had five hundred four, Allen Iverson had forty one. Yeah, so Spider Mitchell's at. 504 as well so like yeah and the story like you could say like, don't worry yeah like come on uh to to extrapolate it from there to yes yep. he's gonna be at that point that's like the guy just skipped yeah just don't even do the 15 yeah. years of excellence <laughs> uh the next guy here at paul george x3 uh i wasn't able to locate the tweet uh but i but it's still up there um i took a picture of it even but at paul george x3 he had said uh if lebron stays and doesn't get any turnovers this game i will deactivate my account for Forever. And LeBron did, in fact, have no turnovers that game. That was the game from last week. What was great is if you follow me, I had I, before I saw this, I had literally just retweeted the stat about LeBron uh, having zero turnovers when I found that. So literally in my timeline was both like simultaneously like, oh, LeBron had zero turnovers. Oh, if that happens, I'll delete my account. And yet that man is still tweeting. So um, give him a shout out uh, on Twitter if you want to. Uh, I, I just thought of a funny. really cool game we could play. Find some hot takes, hollow hot takes. Get them to play uh, Koozie. The loser has to delete their account. Yeah, there you go. I like, I like that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's like a steel cage match, you know Oof. what I mean? So, so moving on, uh, Candace Hoopas, they're not the ones I'm targeting, by the way. Uh, they said, I love that Shabazz Muhammad shot 69% in his first five nice. games with the Bucks, But more than that, actually had six assists in those five and another today. 
Someone's response, actually, John Meyer at the Daily Wolf, who actually writes for Candace Hoops, goes, once a Baz, always a Baz. Did you completely miss the point of that tweet? The point was, Baz is playing well with the Bucks, and he's actually gotten some assists, so actually not once a Baz, always a Baz. The point was completely different. So reading comprehension's key, by the way, when you're looking at stuff. Because, come on, man. Like, Rob's, Rob's hitting him with ridiculous. the and I, I love Shabazz That's my guy But that's not even the point Like let's just You know Be aware of what we're reading um, We still got a few more here So uh, Joe Zenzola At Radio Joe Sports Shabazz Muhammad Is really working out For the Bucks Not Very first reply This tweet aged well Because <laughs> it was right before He had that 21 point game my, my, um, my favorite on these And it happened with this as well Is the guy completely like Backtracks Yeah he backtracks He's like Sure did He must have saw my tweet uh, But but really the problem was He wasn't playing enough He starts like Making it seem like All of a sudden He's a Shabazz fan Like you can't Call out Shabazz Say it's a bad signing And then say Oh never mind It was a good signing They just didn't play yeah. enough And my, because, my tweet had an impact Yeah like Like Shut up That's not what happened Hit him with the hot take Ridiculous Hit him with the hot take Rob Alright we got a few more here Um, Wolves Twitter This is This bugs me This is not I'm not gonna call one specific person out Because there were multiple people Hold on a second Rob thoroughly enjoys this I thoroughly enjoy it Who doesn't (laughs) Who doesn't Let's be real So this This is so stupid A bunch of If you listen to our show Be better Be better Jumping on And I saw this with tons of people Going well Because Justin Patton Just got called up And we'll we'll, we'll touch on that But he gets called up And almost every reply To anyone that said that Oh he'll get sent back down In two days Do a little research Their season's done Iowa doesn't have more games It's not getting sent down anywhere There's nowhere to send him That's why he got recalled so be better be better if you're a wolves fan come on be a fan of the iowa wolves too that's our team um so moving on here this is uh this is in response this person was actually replying to both the timberwolves and the iowa wolves and this is what this person says dear headquarters of the timberwolves as a fellow wolves fan i am I was wonder if you could make a deal with me. The deal is that you draft Grayson Allen to the team and then make him a starter. Trust me, this is a smart choice by a smart person from Timberwolves fan. Oh, and I just noticed that the one response was by Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. I, I legitimately just responded to this because I looked at Kevin's it. Kevin's response is great. No real Timberwolves fan thinks he should be on the team. Grayson Allen is a cancer. First of all, I actually would would more than welcome Grayson Allen on my team, but. I'm not He doesn't get <laughs> Just like I don't want him To be a starter Like what What? No yeah, if you I think to, he's a great shooter And I think the reason Why I want him Where I would take him On this team Is because where we're, we're Drafting Like I think he could Be a really solid player Where we're going To be drafting But but by no means Is the guy like A day one starter By the way That's at Young G Cammy Is that person's name K-A-M-I-I Yeah So shout out to you Nothing wrong with Being a Grayson Allen fan But I think you're Both right Grayson Allen is a cancer He's also a really Dirty player So no I'm not starting But would I take him On the Wolves You know in the 20s Yeah I probably would Wow uh, I, I don't I don't think I would take him I don't, I don't want him later. period Yeah uh, Maybe next week Because uh, we're going to Start coming out With our, our mock drafts So anyways This is the last one the the last uh, so in November hit him with the hot take. Lamelo Ball predicted his former high school would fail in his absence. I saw this. That didn't happen. Not only did that not happen, they just won the state championship. Chino Hills won the state championship this weekend. Lamelo tweeted, "Somebody need to make a 30, 30 for thirty on Chino Hills. How it went from the best to the worst, and it didn't. They won the championship. So shout out to Lamelo Ball. Way to go." 
<laughs> so I enjoyed Dude, that. That's amazing, bro. Way to go. So, uh, so on to what we just talked about, by the way. Uh, They're all hanging in California and he's uh, cruising Justin around. Justin Patton was just uh, recalled from the G League. Um, and like we talked about, it's because their season's over. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if uh, he gets some minutes. Like we talked about, Gorgie Jang's been struggling a bit. Justin Patton absolutely dominated the G League. I mean, he, he significantly did. Uh, Patton appeared in 38 games for Iowa, averaged 12.7 points on just under 48% shooting, five rebounds a game, 1.4 blocks. Just played 23 minutes a game because he was in a minute limit for uh, a large portion of that. Um, he did close out the season, though, 22 points. Um, with his second 20 plus showing So uh, he's definitely trending in the right direction I expect big things uh, From Justin Patton in the future uh, Speaking of the G League Before we go any further uh, The G League's Grand Rapids Drive Lost one of its own on Monday Zeke Upshaw uh, Collapsed on the court near the end of the game And was rushed to a hospital Where he later was pronounced dead uh, 26 years old uh, which really hits home for me because that's right around my age. Uh, just thoughts and prayers with his family, with uh, with his team, and all of his friends at this time. Uh, as more info, I'm sure will uh, uh, will be released here at, at some point soon. But uh, we're all praying for his family. Uh, that was uh, really tough. And that wraps it up for the first quarter. Coming up, we have our roundtable for the playoff push. We will be joined by a few different radio shows to talk about the last couple weeks of the season here and expectations for the respective teams. Listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, this is The Howl. Quarter two of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and we are bringing you the quarter two roundtable. We have some wonderful guests joining us. We've got Dylan Sage from the Holy Backboard Blazers show, Preston Ellis from The Bird Calls, uh, Paul Garcia from SpursCast, and Zach McCash from The Pickaxe Show. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be talking about playoff basketball all uh four of your guys's teams are right in the thick of things with our minnesota timberwolves uh as it sits the you know basically the, the between the three and the tens here are still separated by just a few games uh, as we come into the last couple weeks here uh and i'm going to start with you the blazers are sitting in that that upper part of the uh the the western conference right now with with these final games coming what are you looking to see from your team down the stretch here well fortunately for us we are in the third seed right now so i think we're in the best uh spots where we can look at the matchups and see what is best for us and if at the last few games if there's a matchup that is better for the trailblazers we can you know maybe lose a game to get into that uh seed against a team that we might have an advantage of so it's but i want to see consistency from the two superstars and then maybe have a role player surprise us every game and uh you know hopefully win win some games Zach, you're kind of on the opposite end of things right now. You're on the outside looking in the Denver Nuggets, a couple 
games back of that eight seed Utah Jazz, uh, who hit a, a pretty hot streak there for a little while to uh, to kind of get themselves in the thick of things. Uh, what do you expect to see, or what do you hope to see from the Nuggets here to uh, help them secure a spot in the postseason? Well, you know, I mean, everybody, uh, the Blazers, the, the Thunder, the um, Jazz, I mean, plenty of these teams have had these hot streaks, these big runs that have got them um, into playoff position. The Nuggets haven't done that, so it's kind of do or die right now. Uh, they've got one of the most, if not the most, actually, strength schedule-wise, the most difficult schedule to to go, so it's going to be tough. But you look at them, you're looking for them to basically step up um, and, and bring it every night because they can't afford to slip up. Like you said, they're, I mean, right now, a game and a half back, one game back in the loss column. Um, if they if they lose any of these games against these quality opponents, they're going to quickly find themselves uh, eliminated from competition. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't take much in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, one slip up and, and you can drop so far. Um, let's move right. on. Uh, so, so, Preston, uh, my question to you, same kind of thing. What are you looking for from your team down the stretch? Obviously, as a Wolves fan, you know, I was kind of hoping once Cousins goes down, maybe you guys fold a bit. But, I mean, how good has Anthony Davis been? Well, Anthony Davis gets a lot of credit, and so too he does deserve it with his spectacular numbers. I, I don't think anybody can argue that if he performed the whole season with the numbers he's been getting in the past six weeks, that he would be a surefire MVP winner probably. Uh, a lot of people, although James Harden does have the credentials and three years of being snubbed, uh, I, I just think he's a more popular player, to be quite honest. Plus, he does it on both sides of the court. But the the bigger storyline here is is probably the production of Drew Holiday, uh, Alvin Gentry being able to get all these guys to buy in. And the way that the Pelicans have completely altered the way that they play basketball before DeMarcus Cousins went out, I think they were scoring about 110 and uh, giving up about 104. And now their pace has quickened to such a, a, a pace, I should say, that they're number one in the league since that point in time by a very significant margin. So they like to get up and down the court. In terms of things that I'd like to see, uh, we've got eight games left. They're probably going to settle somewhere between the four and six seed is where we're projecting them right now, probably putting them in a in a spot with either the Thunder Wolves or the Blazers in round one. What we need to see is just this bench is still very new. Mecca Okafor's only been with the team for a month. Cech Diallo's only been playing with the team for about a month. Uh, you've got Nikola Miritich, who's only been with the team for about five or six weeks, and he's been uh, struggling from the floor shooting. He's been really bad. I think about 30% from the field, not even from three. From three, he's been shooting about 20%, but he has been great defensively and rebounding. He's been a very instrumental player, especially in clutch time minutes on that end of the floor. And then you've got Solomon Hill, who's just working his way back from his torn hamstring. He was a guy who's projected to start. He started almost all 82 games last year and he's going to be somebody that the pelicans need maybe not necessarily against the blazers but if you put him against somebody like like the timberwolves or against the thunder he's that defensive stopper that andre roberson type guy that you really need in those playoff matchups who can slow down the pace on the defensive side of the ball and if we can get him comfortable if we can get him playing well um then there's there's a lot of potential for the Pelicans to create some damage, at least in the first round. They don't have to worry about facing the Warriors or the Rockets, and I apologize for being long-winded, but it is a very exciting time to be a Pelicans fan. I understand that a lot of you guys are used to this. You know, you're you're in the Western Conference playoffs more often than you're not. For the Pelicans, they're not used to this. This is a very exciting time, and to be quite honest, we don't know where the Pelicans could end up. If they draw the correct matchups, there's, there's potential for them to do something quite impressive and remarkable right now. 
Uh, Paul, the Spurs have kind of been the the center of of controversy, if you will, regarding the whole Kawhi Leonard situation. Uh, you currently sit at the sixth seed, not really, I guess, living up to the expectations that a lot of fans have had of of what the Spurs can do over the years. Where would you say you're you're at right now with this Spurs team? Uh, kind of just, you know, trying to hold on is from what it looks like, you know, you still have the Kawhi drama. There was a whole new, uh, uh, issues that came out last week with the uh, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker making remarks. They had the players only meeting and that got leaked to the media. Um, it's just actually like a really, un, uh, you know, it's a different time in San Antonio right now because the fan base isn't used to this. You know, you hear reports that Kawhi's been basically cleared by the Spurs medical staff since November and the guy's still not playing. Yet the team will not rule him out just yet. You know, the the the, the uh, injury report came out today, and he's actually still out, but he's not out for the season just yet. So it's kind of a, a what if kind of situation. And for the Spurs, I mean, they're they're ro- they're road ahead to end the season. It's still tough. You know, it's not a guarantee still that they're going to lock up. You know, you know, a playoff seed where you know. Out of their last eight games, six of those teams are above 500. They do have some, they do have some some potential though to um, ease their path in terms of uh, handing some some of those teams ahead of them some losses. Somebody like the Pelicans, they play on the last game of the season. They play the Thunder still. Uh, they'll also play the Blazers. So some of these teams uh, that are in front of them in the standings, they can actually you know help their record re- record San Antonio. But on the outside too, you know San Antonio still has to play Houston. They have to play Washington. And, you know, they've done better. They went 6-1 and one in their last seven games. But before that, I mean, they were just falling apart from basically February to about mid-March. They, they, they had found themselves in the 10th spot for one night. Um, so it's kind of just, you know, making sure they can stay healthy and just hold on uh, just to even secure a playoff spot right now. Uh, so let me, let me direct this one to uh, Zach. We'll start with you. Uh, who this season would you say has been your, your team MVP so far and why? Now with the Nuggets, it's pretty easy. It's still, uh, it's still definitely Nikola Jokic. I mean, he's he is the guy who makes their their offense run. It's still one of the most prolific offenses in the NBA. Obviously, the Nuggets' defense is where they're lacking. I mean, you take Jokic out of the equation, and and we've seen you know we've seen Jamal Murray and Gary Harris step up those guys fill in obviously Paul Millsap is working his way back in he's a big piece of what the Nuggets are trying to do as well but everything again it, it all revolves around Jokic and I mean you know he he's had another another excellent season by by really any measure um he's obviously not been the greatest on the defensive end we all know kind of what his limitations are there but the Nuggets that's never really been their thing I mean going back all the way um back to the 80s they've always been a team who was going to try and outscore you wants to run you up and down the court um and wants to kind of play what George Carl would have described as random basketball uh Jokic is he is the maestro of that and that's um he makes everything tick so without a doubt he is the MVP for for Denver this season and Dylan, for the for the Blazers, I mean, it, it seems at least obvious to me. Is it anybody other than Dame Lillard that's the team MVP no, right now? It has to be Damian Lillard. He's, he's the uh, heart and soul of our team. Obviously, the most talented player. I mean, and, and you can see how well of a leader he is. But I will say I've been loving the way that we have been rebounding as a team, as a secondary MVP, because we've been the number one rebounding team since uh, the all-star break. But I mean, the most important piece of this puzzle is uh, Dame. 
For, all right, for Preston, uh, same thing, you know, when it comes to the Pelicans. Now, do you go with the obvious choice of Anthony Davis, or are you talking someone like Drew Holiday? No, Anthony Davis by far is the the leader and commander of this team. He's only going to go so far as uh, the Pelicans are only going to go so far as Anthony Davis takes them for sure. But with that being said, Drew Holiday has been instrumental. Uh, there's there's a lot of arguments, and we're very sensitive uh, to this. Anthony Davis is doing it all all on his own, carrying the the blood and battered team uh, across the finish line, so to speak. But that could not be farther from the truth. Uh, Drew Holiday, specifically in the fourth quarter, but over the four quarters as a whole, has one of the best net ratings in the NBA right now. In the fourth quarter, he does have the best. He's a lockdown defender. He's been really putting the clamps on these guys. Victor Oladipo, he's held in check in both matchups, and he has the, the power and the capability in the fourth quarters of just limiting these guys to such to such a dramatic uh, respect that it's just not getting enough attention right now, and so too, he's also been remarkable offensively. He's been scoring 20 points per game on the season. In the past six weeks, he's at 25 points per game, so the Pelicans really could not be doing this without him. With that being said, Anthony Davis, his numbers, um, just nobody has put them up ever uh, immediately following that six game slide after DeMarcus Cousins went out after that point in time when he was scoring 40 points and 15 rebounds per game. There's just there's just nobody out there who can do what he does on both sides of the ball. So obviously he's got to be our MVP. Yeah, I mean, he's been crazy impressive. Uh, it's, it's tough to argue with that. Uh, you know, moving on to the Spurs, Paul. For me, I will say I've been crazy impressed uh, with LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, in past seasons, I really thought he was kind of starting to lose it a bit. But, I mean, he's really had a solid year. Is is that who you'd choose for your team? Yeah, I mean, he was named the Western Conference Player of the Week today. Uh, you know, basically no Kawhi all year. The, guys, the guy had them in the third seed throughout most of the season up until mid-February, and then they kind of lost it there. Um, you know, he's probably going to make – he has a good chance of making one of the All-NBA teams here. He made the All-Star team. Um, I'm actually eager to see if he even uh, if he actually cracks the, one of the all defensive teams because you know without Kawhi here the Spurs obviously they still have Danny Green but they've held that that second best defensive uh, rating throughout the entire season and Pop has given Lamarcus a lot of credit throughout throughout each night you know he doesn't get the blocks or or some of those kind of numbers but uh, he, he does you know Pop always credits him as being that anchor there uh, down in the middle and so yeah it has to be Lamarcus right now. Let's let's move down the line here now I think. I mean, granted, it's it's not a given at this point in time with the amount of games left still. But let's let's uh, let's start right with uh, with Paul again. The Spurs, if they miss the playoffs, what if any would you say would be the the reason why? Uh, for example, coaching, other teams getting hot, injuries, that kind of thing. What would you say is the the would be the reason why the Spurs would miss the playoffs if they were to miss the playoffs? Uh, I'd have to go with uh, part injury one, because Kawhi's probably not back in that scenario. He never makes his comeback. And the two, just their schedule was just too much for them. This team, you know, even though LaMarcus is really good this year, he still wasn't enough. You know, their second leading score right now is Rudy Gay, who's pretty much missed most of, uh, a lot of the season two, uh, less than 12 points a game. And outside of, outside of LaMarcus, it's kind of like, you don't know who's going to step up each night. Who's going to be that second, third or fourth score to help out LaMarcus each night. So if they do miss the playoffs, it's because they were missing that, that firepower on the offensive end. Uh, Dylan, it, it's a tough shot for the Blazers to miss the playoffs at this point. But if they do, what do you see being the reason why? Uh, can I say Dame Baby Watch? Maybe that's the thing. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, the season's gone pretty, pretty well for the Blazers. All of these teams on this podcast have dealt with major injuries, or the Blazers have stayed relatively healthy. So I. 
I, I don't know. Maybe it's a future injury, but I, I don't want to wish that into the air. I, 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 I don't know how we, how, how it would happen. We're ending the year with like Memphis twice. We, we've, we've got a pretty easy schedule after this Pelican game Tuesday. Well, moving to the Pelicans, how about you, Preston? Any Anything you can see as to why this uh, Pelicans team would miss the playoffs? Uh, no, I think the Pelicans are definitely going to be in the playoffs. Like I said earlier, we're probably going to be slated around six. They do have a very difficult schedule going forward in these next eight games, but they do have a comfortable lead. Uh, they're, they're probably going to end up there. They've got two gimmies uh, at the end of the schedule with the Suns and with, uh, forgive me, I think the Grizzlies is the other one. And we're probably going to get some matchups with some teams who might be resting near the end. So I think the match number is just four right now to get in out of the eight, and I think that's more than doable. And uh, what about you, Zach? Now, the, the Nuggets are sitting outside of the playoffs right now. Um, so if they if they were to kind of stay where they are now, why do you think is the, the reason why? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, exa- that's exactly it, right? So the Nuggets are on the outside just looking in. I'm the one guy. I'm the one guy who doesn't have any confidence here. Um, so, I mean, the, the thing is that they've got this really difficult schedule uh, to close this thing out in, the, in that they're going to play a uh, playoff ca- a caliber team, a team that's still in the hunt for the playoffs one way or another uh, for every single matchup here on out. But that's not the reason that they're going to miss if they end up missing it. The reason they're going to miss is because they play down to their competition consistently throughout the season. I mean, you're talking about losses uh, at Memphis. Uh, they lost to Atlanta at home. They lost to the Sixers at home when, <clears throat> sorry, when, when Embiid was out uh they blew a game at the opener against the jazz when they were up something by like 15 points uh they they blew a lead against uh the clippers just a few weeks ago when they're up by 19 points in the third quarter uh, consistently they have they've either taken their their foot off the gas or they've just not come out with energy even to start a game um and usually it's been against the inferior opponents who they should have handled easily and if they end up missing the playoffs it's going to be because they didn't take those games seriously you know, Zach and, and Rob as well sitting next to me, that, that sounds a lot like a team that we cover. Yeah, yeah. Bad luck right. uh, is always a thing we, we talk about when it comes to the Wolves. So we feel your pain. Yeah. Uh, so well, you know what? moving on here. Yeah. I was just going to say that. And the one thing that, uh, that, that stinks too is like, I mean, the Wolves are one of the few teams that now the Nuggets possibly could have their eye on just because they, they play them twice uh, still down the stretch. So one of those two teams I think might end up be, because of their bad losses is yeah, going to end up on the outside looking in. Yeah, it sure seems like that's what's going to happen. I, I definitely feel you there. Um, moving on. Uh, so we'll, we'll start with you, Dylan. Is there a team or maybe I guess I'll ask it this way. What's the team that maybe scares you the most, the team that you really don't want to uh, match up with in the first round of the playoffs? To be honest, it, and this might be a very selfish reason for me not wanting to play this team, but I also am a New Orleans Pelicans fan. Like I, I read Bird's rights. I, I, I love the Pelicans, even though I'm a broadcaster for the Blazers. But I mean, I, I don't see a way that the, new, uh, the, the Blazers can stop Anthony Davis, and that scares me. I mean, I think that's fair. Now, can you stop Carl Towns? How about that? Because I could see that being a matchup. For some reason, I, I remember Nurk somehow playing well against Carl Anthony Towns. But yeah, th- those teams with those bigs scare me. I mean, and and for Minnesota, you guys have length on the wing. We're, we're running a very small uh, backcourt. So 
the the Timberwolves definitely scare me, but just because I'm going to be selfish on this show, uh, New Orleans scares me the most. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to New Orleans then. Preston, uh, what's that matchup that you you don't, you possibly dread? That's possible. Utah. Don't want to see Utah. Want no part of Utah. If if anybody can stop Anthony Davis, it's Rudy Gobert. He is a nightmare. A Donovan Mitchell has carved us up all year long. If we get any piece of Utah, you're going to hear a collective sigh of despair from every single member of New Orleans. With that being said, uh, you, you've got the Timberwolves have have been really tough on the Pelicans. Some really tight contests, but Jimmy Butler, we're just we're just we're just watching we're watching uh, a lot of updates on Twitter right now about guys who are coming back from injury. And of course, I'm talking about. Steph Curry, I'm talking about uh, Jimmy Butler, and who's the third guy that that we're kind of watching? I, I can't even remember. I was talking about him earlier, um, but. There's there's a lot of injury depleted teams that are going to get some some luck coming back, and if the Pelicans can get them before that luck turns. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I, I'm sorry to our buddy, but yeah, we do want to draw. We do want to draw the Blazers in round one. And it's not because we're not afraid of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. It's like he said, uh, there's no way Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic can stay on the floor against Anthony Davis. They're going to have to have some version of Al Farouk Amino and Ed Davis going head to head with Anthony. And then it's just going to be up to the Pelicans bench to minimize the rest of their guys. And their bench has been struggling lately. Evan Turner has been having back problems. So it's it sounds like a pretty good matchup for the Pelicans. But yeah, like I said, if if we draw the Jazz, um, I think everybody is, is just going to start crying themselves to sleep. <laughs> uh, so, Zach, I'm going to go to you, but I'm going to go to you with kind of the, the inverse. Uh, what team would you want to play in a potential first round matchup and why? Uh, I mean, I, so a couple of reasons for <clears throat> who I think I guess maybe the Nuggets might have the best shot um, of knocking off the I, it's tough to say. I mean, it's hard to see a situation obviously now where Minnesota and Denver would play each other. Um, that would be though, the one that I would, I would think might be their, their best shot. Otherwise against the teams that they, they could see, uh, you know, I, just for pure entertainment purposes, I want to see, I want to, I'd want to play the Blazers, man, because just let's get Yusuf Nurkic versus Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. That would be, that would oh, be a God. fun. Right. I mean, that would be, that would, that, and it would help the Nuggets have- to ride one. That would be great to grow it. Oh man, but I'm just imagining all the people in Portland talking about how motivated and angry Nurk is going to dominate <laughs> dominate uh, Joker, and I, I just I, I don't see it. I, I vividly remember the game that you guys won, where Joker just made Nurk look silly. So I I I don't want to see it. That 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 I don't want to see that one. I, I hate being the the team that's getting picked on all of these games, man. <laughs> Paul, what about you? First round matchup that you would love to see for the Spurs? They, they would have to see. I mean, I'm not even honestly confident in any of these teams with how they played. Um, I, I guess just because of the recency bias, I guess Minnesota, they looked okay, especially not knowing when Jimmy Butler is going to get back to, to being Jimmy Butler at that level. Uh, they were kind of okay in that one. Um, so I, I guess Minnesota would be that team. Um, and again, you have that wild card of maybe Kawhi does eventually come back in a series or something, which I, I personally don't think he will. Uh, but I would say Minnesota out of those teams. You know, I'm I'm kind of surprised nobody here said Golden State with Steph Curry being out for a while. I mean, a lot of people are saying that he's going to miss the play. I mean, he's going to at least miss the first couple weeks of the playoffs. Uh, Clay Thompson out until the end of March. Durant and and Draymond are are not a hundred percent. I mean, if any team is going to catch the the Golden State Warriors 
at a good time to, to potentially beat him in a, in a series like this, this, this may be the time. Uh, Zach, let me, let me ask you here. Uh, who do you think is, so let's, let's say in the simulation, the nuggets get in, who do you think is the team that misses that, that last, that, that spot in the playoffs because of it? Uh, so, I mean, it's essentially going to be one of three teams, right? It's either going to be uh, Minnesota, Utah, or, or San Antonio. Like, Utah's the one they're the closest with, but Utah's probably got. I mean, they don't they don't have a very tough schedule uh, down the stretch. So, um, that that's probably what I would say. Maybe maybe an outside shot at San Antonio. You know, you never know. And then I think the thing about Minnesota again is is those two games. Like, if the Nuggets play play well down the stretch here and they get both games against Minnesota, that's going to put them in a really good spot to to leapfrog them. If they lose just one of them, though. Uh, then that's probably going to be it, at least in terms of hopping over the Timberwolves. So um, I, I'd probably say Utah first and then San Antonio and then Minnesota. Uh, Dylan, what about you? Who, th- who do you think misses out on the, on the, uh, on the playoffs? Unfortunately for my man in Denver, I'm, I'm kind, I, I kind of think that the Nuggets are going to miss out. That's I mean, a good, they, a good, they have a uh, lot choice. of, they have a lot of away games, man, and they they're not that greatest away from the friendly confines of Denver. So, sorry, bro. Oh, currently trailing to the 76ers, so uh, I understand. Uh, what about you, Paul? Uh, if the Spurs were to for sure make it, who do you see missing out on the playoffs? Uh, basically the same way it stands. Uh, I think Denver and, and the Clippers both miss uh, just because, like, like you mentioned, uh, uh, the, the Nuggets just aren't very good on the on the road, and that's kind of that's not good for them. That's that's the ending to their season. And I think the Spurs, you know, despite the tough schedule, they still will probably get in. Preston, you thinking the same thing? Nuggets going to barely miss out there. Yeah, I apologize to our friend, but I don't think there's any chance <laughs> the Nuggets and the Clippers are going to make it in. Friendliest trash talking you will see here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, Uh, guys. That's that's all the time we got. We got a lot more to cover here on our show. But before I let you go, um, let's get your guys' show info. Preston, let's start with you. Uh, Just give give me your show info, times, Twitter, everything. Give me the rundown. Our podcast is called The Bird Calls. That's the one that I host. We also have another one called The Bird Rice and appreciate the shout out on thebirdrice.com. We've been generating a lot of traffic, like I said, uh, and I'm going on and on and I apologize, but the Pelicans just aren't used to this kind of attention, you guys. So we are beyond excited with our lot in life right now. So make sure you check out thebirdrice.com. We've got some great stuff on Ian Clark and on Gail Benson, our new owner. If you want to learn more about her, she owns both the Pelicans and the Saints now. And uh, I just talked to our buddy Stephen DeWald of Blazers Edge, and we've got a podcast uh, that's live featuring him and our editor, Ali Cosell, right now. All right, uh, Paul. Uh, it's called the Spurs Cast. Just check it out on Twitter. Um, it's part of the Project Spurs Network, so projectspurs.com. And uh, when, is your, uh, when is your show on Dash? Oh, uh, well, I think, I think we go on Saturdays, if I recall. I don't really run that. We have an editor who does that part called the extra stuff that the show goes out to. He has help for that. <laughs> He's big time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dylan, give us the uh, give us the rundown on the Holy Backboard Blazer show. The Holy Backboard appears on Dash Radio Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, you can check us out on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Holy Backboard PDX. 
and Zach, the uh, the the quote unquote lovable losers of the uh, of the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, tell us about the Pickaxe Show. Oh yeah, man, Pickaxe Pundit. So we're on uh, 4 p.m. Mountain, which is 6 Eastern every Saturday. Uh, we're all part of, uh, everybody on that show is part of denverstiffs.com, which is part of the SB nation network. Uh, so check everything out over there as well. Um, articles, game threads, highlight videos, everything you could want on the Denver nuggets. It's over there at Denver stiffs. All right, boys. Thank you for taking some time there to join us. Really appreciate it. Best of luck to all four of your guys' teams in the playoff push. Hopefully uh, the Wolves make it and end up with a better seating than all of you, but I hope you guys all make it. And let's just, uh, let's, let's just hope that uh, the Utah Jazz miss out on the playoffs. For real. All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.